pop. Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V, we interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Chris Mitchell. Hey! Hey, Chris. What's up? What is up, guys? <laughs> we're, uh, we're here. We're doodling. Chris is losing it. <laughs> I'm always losing it. You're always losing it. Chris, tell us who you are and what you do for those who don't know. <laughs> well, I am Chris Mitchell, and I... Um, have been I'm an artist um and I guess I guess designer and writer mainly mm -hmm. um in animation um I've been working in animation since 1990 wow yeah wow. yes that's amazing yes. brag about it that's awesome yeah. yeah I mean that's a long time guys <laughs> yeah <It is. laughs> That's why it's so cool for us to have you um, for us to have you on the show because you have so much to tell us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, hopefully. And I'm psyched. Yeah, hopefully I won't bore Definitely. you guys to tears, but yeah. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> tell us, tell us. Uh, oh, and you also run a, a gallery in LA called Q Pop. That's definitely I do. worth noting. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I own a, a gallery slash uh, little shop uh, in Little Tokyo downtown. Yeah, uh, Los Angeles um, called Q Pop, and we've it's been. It's like our twelfth year this year. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. I love Q Pop. Crazy. I uh, yeah. fun fun fact for you, uh, I'm in a band called Q Bomb, and Q Pop was partially the inspiration for that name, just because I I enjoy Q Pop quite a bit. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Wait, I, I think to, you guys yeah. were gonna like play at Q Pop. I would love to, but I, yeah, I, but yeah, no, I, I, I visited, I visited Q pop. I, w I visited LA for the first time, like, I don't know, 2013. And, um, and Q pop was still in that old location. The one like across the, when it was like that little box building. Right. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and man, it was just like, Aww. I was like, Oh my God, th this exists. It was so cool. And so like anytime we passed location. through, I, it was so good. Yeah. I, I, well, anyway, We'll we'll get to all that, but wait, wait, an and, and a little interesting yeah. tidbit. Um, yeah. Justin Thompson, uh, you know, who is co-directing the new Spider Verse movie, and mm -hmm. he was the production designer on the first Spider Verse movie. Um, he actually designed the interiors of the old Q Pop. So just wow, just that is a, so cool. That's really cool. Just a wow. little. It was, it's a, it was a really cool shot. Not that the new <laughs> one isn't great, but the exterior was like so eye-catching and awesome. Yeah, we had all those like um, cool custom murals and like and just all the interior was custom in the old shop and that was great. Yeah. yeah. What is it now? Like condos or something? <laughs> like what? It what is. They, they totally there? demoed it and they're building condos, uh, of course, that are half yeah. empty or are totally empty. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh some, some money laundering scheme. Yeah. Um but anyway, enough okay. about that. We'll yeah. we'll get to we'll get to Qpop. Um, tell us uh, what kind of what was your start getting into art and animation? What what got you into it originally as a as a kid or as a teen? Whenever that happened, I mean, I I was probably like a lot of uh, you know animation people. Um, like, I mean, I was definitely nerdy and loved comics and drawing and and animation. Of course, like I just would watch anything if it was animated even if it was like the mm -hmm. worst stuff and a lot of the stuff when i was a kid was pretty horrible 
<laughs> the stuff that was being produced while I was a kid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I would just take all that stuff in and it was, you know, pre internet. So it was really hard to get stuff back then. Um, you know, so as I got older and if I wanted to like find stuff, you had to really like search it out and find like weird stores that might have it or, or something, you know, like it wasn't just available to like search. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it required a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like a, as a result, the the people that were in the industry were kind of a little bit more like weird. <laughs> oh, because mm -hmm. because they like kind of needed that like extra layer of like dedication and like this is my thing. Yeah, for uh, sure. Like, yeah. I definitely think there's a lot more. I mean, how do I say it? Like like kind of like mainstream kind of people that are into animation or get into the industry sure. now. Like, whereas yeah. I think when I was getting into it, it was all like super arty farty. Like people were just like really weird because it was, it was the only, the only type of people that parents would actually like allow their kids to like actually consider that as a, as a viable like work option. <laughs> you know, yeah. most people were discouraged, I think from going into animation um, and now it's actually, I think people consider it like, oh yeah, this is a, oh yeah, you can make money on at that. I saw it on TV. Like, uh, you know, that's um, very yeah. true. And I feel like now also on social media, people actually talk about it a lot. So now when you're like, when you're like an art kid, you're like, oh, this is actually a career, but it's true that before, yeah. before all that, it was kind of like this, like nebulous, like art was only like, oh, uh, you paint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That's all I knew for a long time. And it's like, it's oh, what... you're going to be starving because that's all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah if you're an the, artist, the you're starving. So that's, yeah. yeah. that's and... something that we've no noticed a lot on the show is like bringing people on. Even a lot of people say, like, I didn't even know I could do animation. And then there was like a moment where they realized that it was a career choice. Right. Yeah. Especially like my generation. I mean, I, I, not to get like super political or anything either but no, you know when, when i started in animation i mean my class at cal arts so i went to cal arts for those mm -hmm. you know if you guys don't know it's like an animation school in valencia um but uh i um there was one girl in my class you know mm -hmm. and that's it so yeah. if you think about that's like wild yeah it's crazy um because I, I think you know it was even more discouraged for girls to go into animation. Like it just didn't, I, I don't think, I, I don't think there was a lack of talent. It was just a lack oh, yeah. of, of, you know, of people even thinking that they could, of, of girls thinking that they could even like do that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I, so. for, it's a real thing. Cause like, I mean, for me, like I've heard stuff like that, like, and I'm not even like, I'm, I'm like, 30 so i'm like a millennial and mm -hmm. i've heard stuff like girls can only do color like girls it's yeah, a fact that, but yeah. in biology girls don't draw as well as <laughs> guys no i heard Who that said kind of that? stuff Yo, Who for real. and it's like oh you know my god i know it's like but whatever you know you just gotta be like you know you yeah older and you keep going <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i mean i also was gonna say that there were like really no asian people you know in my class mm. too oh, like, yeah. i mean and I mean, luckily, you know, that's both, both of those things have been like switching, you know, now. So I can say that, <laughs> like, I, I don't think there were any Asian people on my first job 
in animation, like at all. I mean, the Asian yeah. people that were working on it were the overseas studio, like with all the Koreans, yeah. like animating the actual show. But, uh, but like here, you know, there, there was like nobody and just minorities in general, I think, you know, yeah. I had, I had, oh yeah. Sorry. I was just going to ask, and you're, you're half Japanese. Is that right? I am. Yeah. Okay. I grew yeah. up with my Japanese mother. I mean, she's like mm -hmm. Japanese citizen, like from Japan. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I did get some weird, you know, I don't want to say weird, actually, that's like derogatory, but like, you know, I got some very like Japanese behavior from her, mm -hmm. for sure, because mm -hmm. I was raised primarily by her, sure, even though I'd go visit my dad and stuff. Um, but yeah, it inevitably, you know, it like definitely rubbed off on me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so sometimes I, it's funny because I'm like, oh, I think I'm like more Japanese than some, well, not than some Japanese people that I meet, but it was funny because I could use chopsticks better. Like when I went to Japan, we were <laughs> hanging out with our friends and their kids couldn't use chopsticks as good as me, you know? It was just yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just the, I think it's just kind of fading, right? It's like it's like everything. It's like a lot of traditions fade away over time. Oh yeah, so for sure. Not, yeah, it's not becoming like westernized, and yeah, mm -hmm. I mean that's a, an entirely different conversation. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it is. Um, so, uh, how was it getting into the industry with this sort of uh, bias in in uh, around you? Well, I've actually always. I think I've generally been been really fortunate um you know i've i've been able to like work on some really cool projects i mean really like i mean groundbreaking ones throughout my career which you know knock on wood you know i've been really lucky to get onto them like to be considered for them or whatever you know um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh i mean i don't want to say it wasn't without like hard work um because i sure, did of course i did work really hard and also, I'm not naturally, like, super amazing at, like, drawing, I feel like. Like, there's some people that I know, or even some people that were in my class. Like, Paul Rudish is one of them. You know, I don't know if you guys know Paul Rudish, but, you know, he's in charge of the Mickey him. Shorts and stuff. But he's, mm -hmm. like, crazy because he can just, like, you know, draw without any structure or anything. Like, just draw these amazing drawings. Like, it's like he's a robot or something, you know? Like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I'm, like, the guy who has to, like, you know, I'm, like, <laughs> like, really, like, scratching away at my paper, you know? Like, trying to, like, figure out how to draw this thing, you know? It's, like, super yeah. rough and raw, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just so. different approaches, right? Like, it, it's just... It's got it's got to have something to do with like brain chemistry. I swear, like, cause I even me and V, like V, look at look at look at her go. Like she's she's just going for it with the <laughs> stuff, and it's yeah. so hard for me to to just like put pen to paper. Like I don't know. So I I relate. I get it. Yeah. So you yeah you know right. Yeah. It is. I think totally. It is like some kind of like brain chemistry thing for sure. Um, but just I you know I've I definitely had to work at it more than than some. I think, or, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or maybe just average, but, you know, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. And then, you know, I also got, I think, you know, uh, I was fortunate to, uh, to have like all these really great teachers in school. Um, so when I, when I went to CalArts, you know, I, I was taught by Mike Giamo. He was my 
my character design teacher and Chris Buck was my animation teacher and um and I had Joe Ramft for story um and Dan Hansen for layout you know I had all these like Dave Michener mm-hmm. who's like this super awesome like old Disney guy who you know worked on Shere Khan and stuff at on Jungle Book and so he was like wow. our all day kind of guy who helped with like story and whatever um and uh it was cool like i had these great and get we had guest teachers like glenn glenn keen and you know brad bird and stuff so i got i think really lucky to have like all these like amazing teachers right off the bat um and then uh those guys you know like chris buck actually has hired me for my first job so like so right out of school um and i you know if i didn't have him as a teacher then i might not have started uh in the same way right like i'm, I'm how, sure yeah um so. how how do you feel like he was connected to you starting your career um i mean he was huge um anyway i mean i feel like he really took me in a way like under his wing Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I was like right out of high school and I was one of the first people hired on the family dog series. We were doing this family dog series that was based on the, the amazing stories, um, special like episode that, uh, Brad Bird and Tim Burton and those guys yeah. had done and Chris Buck mm-hmm. was one of the main animators on it. Um, and then they decided to do a series. So Tim Burton was still involved, but Brad Bird didn't didn't come on um and so when we started it was cool because he just uh i was working with rob gibbs and chris year and don shank and um and it was like we were just in this bungalow in the amblin in the universal back lot mm-hmm. um mm. yeah and it was like so much fun and for me it was like crazy because i was like in hollywood <laughs> like my yeah, first job yeah. and then you couldn't really get any more hollywood than that like the back lot on universal right. studios like i was like mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah it was so funny that is very cool and there's a cool story about that like like we we were kind of just like goofing around and like wa- wandering just exploring and we went into one of the other bungalows and there were all these guys in there and and they were you know at desks <laughs> not just a bunch of guys in there like doing random stuff <laughs> they yeah, were at desks and then we were like what what, is, what are you guys doing hey what's up and they were super nice and they're like oh hey uh yeah we're just uh, we're working on the movie like we're, and and they showed us they kind of ran through what they were doing and uh we didn't know what it was you know it, it was something that was in the works and uh later on you know i would see jurassic park and then the first jurassic park and i would recognize the scene they pitched to us it was the raptor oh, wow. it was the raptors Holy. in the kitchen scene when the kids are yeah. hiding uh, so they were boarding that uh at the time when we were there it was pretty awesome that's yeah. crazy i love how you're how like did... yeah whatever yeah <laughs> <Who cares? laughs> how does the how did how did the boards look like what did it look like when they were working on it I mean, they were cool. They were like live action boards. So I was just like, whoa, shit, that's really realistic. <laughs> like like <laughs> for me, you know, I'm like working on Family Dog and it's like super cartoony. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm like looking at them going, uh, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to draw like that. <laughs> that looks how amazing. Was a, but yeah. 
how was uh <laughs> working on family dog like because so that was your first gig right yeah and yeah. how was uh because i think one of the things i'm like really interested also in talking about is like what was what was the job like you know like back in the day compared to like what boarding is like now look at that fucking perfect drive <laughs> that's gene wow oh, I, the giant the giant amazing. one yes. <laughs> yeah Thank yeah you. yeah it's like You're, on did... model <laughs> I'm looking at a reference for, I mean, oh, I'm not okay. gonna. Okay. Yeah. okay. 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 Please. I'm, I'm like, not wow. that talented. <laughs> I do love Doraemon, but it's, yeah, there's no way I could draw it that well. I mean, I love it. I, I couldn't draw it. <laughs> like, I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What were you saying? Sorry. Like, I, I was um, asking you, like, kind of like, how was, like, well, how was it like uh, working on Family Dog? Like, how was kind of like your day to day or kind of like compared to, like, for example, working on like store like you were doing storyboards right on family dog no actually when i first started um i was doing character designs oh cool. um so when i started the first thing that i was doing and i think this was just really just to warm us up was to um to basically do the turns and kind of finalize um the turns on the main characters so I worked on all of the main characters, actually, and I did all their turns. Um, of course, Chris Buck and Dave Cutler, who was the character uh, or the art director on that, I think, um, you know, they they totally held my hand and went over it and stuff. Like, I mean, it was like kind of a an involved process, um, but it was just really cool because they they kind of like were teaching me or training me in a, in a way, like uh, yeah. at the same time, which I think doesn't really happen that much. Yeah. Uh, like, I agree. Yeah. Um, and so um, it was just really cool that they saw something in me that they, you know, thought I would be able to do that because I was like the only person really like working on that, like that got hired. So like out of all the people that they could have hired, <laughs> I think back on it and I'm like, oh, it's really cool that they hired me, you know. Mm. Um, and then uh, when we were kind of done with like main characters and stuff and production started kicking in, um, then I, I switched to doing character layouts. So like early in my career, I did a lot of character layouts. Um, that position is like dead now. Um, yeah, can, can you kind of like explain it a little bit for because um, yeah. I think our audiences might not be familiar with it. Yeah, so character layouts were basically like you would take the board and then you would kind of rough in the background or maybe a background guy, a background layout person would be working on it with you and they might actually do the background. Um, but then you're kind of like putting in all the character poses and and the idea is that you're finalizing them and you're kind of basically positioning the camera working out um you know what the composition is going to be like and everything but you're also doing all the key poses of the characters um so it's kind of like key animation but it's not quite as involved as key animation because we might not put timing charts on it and stuff but it's clean yeah yeah but it's supposed to be for the um the animators overseas to use as sort of a guide um and it's kind of honestly it's a bit antiquated anyway i mean i think it's good to have it but 
the idea that you have a partner studio and that you they're not good enough to do something because that was the attitude back then um that you would have to do everything and they have to follow it like exactly um was kind of ridiculous like it probably would have been better to like save that money (laughs) to be honest and go and train go overseas and train your guys oh i see uh over there like spend a couple of months over there and train them like how to draw the characters and stuff like honestly because i get it um yeah because it just it doesn't really make things easier and they don't necessarily know how to draw the characters any better and um you know i think also it's less collaborative you get better results with anybody when you allow them to have some input and be like free to come up with some cool stuff um which is what we did on like peabody and rocky and bullwinkle um like our partner studio on those shows that i worked on um in canada you know we let them go to town like the animators and stuff and you know put in extra poses and stuff and they were amazing um those guys it was like you know hobo divine like uh jameson and those guys like uh yeah they're so good so it was just really fun and we could really collaborate like a real collaboration where we could like yeah yeah that's Um, really cool but back but back in those old days they didn't it was kind of like oh we're sending this to korea so like we got to do this like and show them you know like and then they have to do it exact like they can't deviate from it at all you know and uh, oh really that was really that was the attitude yeah yeah yeah, fully like and it was like they're gonna fuck it up so like we better like you know give them everything exactly you know and it's got to be i see this attitude still sometimes in some studios where it's like well we have to put in every needy gritty little bit of like detail or else they're not gonna do it da 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 and it's exhausting for everyone involved like everybody yeah you know like uh not you know like for for the the studio overseas and also for the artists here because it's like oh yeah you know well it's there they they cut the because like if they cut the layout position, right? And so now board artists are expected to basically do layout. Yeah. And but they don't want to train. They don't want to work with the studios. So it's yeah. it's gotten worse because at least before there was a layout person. Now they don't want to do spend the money on training the other studio, the outsource studio, and they don't want to have a layout. So yeah. it's just like it's come down to just board artists. That's a, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the elimination of that position basically came down to the studios just trying to you know pocket more money and uh, you know they basically put that job onto the story artists and then the story artists don't get paid anymore so it's like they're basically doing two jobs and now that's just like sort of the the de facto kind of method for story people to work in which sucks because a lot of the young people they don't even know that it was another way before and um they just think and now they're like you know and they're okay with it and that makes the studio okay with doing it you know and sometimes that's sort of like that that double-edged sword where you're like no but you know you shouldn't be okay with it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i know you guys want to do cool stuff but like don't do that you know because they just think they everybody should be doing that you know like it's like now i see like so many 
boards because people use storyboard pro and stuff and now the boards are like like almost like fully animated like animatics like the crazy yeah Yeah. and it's like no you guys don't need to do that you know um some studios expect that that's what sucks is that it's like because people have kept agreeing to it over time yeah and now it's like the norm and i've worked jobs where they were expecting you to board and basically do layout especially yeah. in adult animation and then it's sometimes like they want you to layout. do color or toning on the boards too. Oh, and, then, oh my you know, and then you're like yeah. wait what like this, this is, is somebody else's job you know like i'm doing five yeah. people's jobs you know and i'm getting paid for one and i'm getting That's, paid yeah. shitty for one job you know like it's not even yeah like... <laughs> no it's really so, not that much it, yeah. it's in LA, like it's it it sounds like a lot to anybody that lives outside of LA, but here it's like good luck. Like half your your monthly paycheck is rent, if not more, you know, and so it's just gone. Yeah, I um, mean, and and that's sort of like propagated by the studios themselves. I hate to say it, yeah. but you know, like yeah. a lot of people, um, let's say people who don't understand animation, um, like in higher positions, they might want to see it all like fully colored and stuff, but they don't really realize the process so they don't really understand like how long that takes and and why that's not really like a good thing for like one person to do (laughs) in the same schedule that they were supposed to do just like you know figuring out the story basically so um but it like you said it's kind of just like sort of like the the normal it's the norm now it's expected Mm -hmm. so unfortunately but yeah mm-hmm. but anyway so i was doing that when i first started i was doing character layouts and then i even i was doing key animation so i i was i was key animator on fern gully last of the rainforest um that is yeah so awesome <laughs> and, i that movie like i i hear so many people like kind of like thinking like remember fern gully like i like <laughs> yeah it's really it's a really fun one i like it at the time it was like the Croyers were like cool people. They were cool, you know. Sue, <laughs> Sue Croyer's designs were like super cool, and mm-hmm. uh, they were, you know, they were kind of a commercial house. They were doing like opening title sequences and stuff, and they were actually the first people to kind of, I think, use John, uh, John Christopher Lucy's stuff, mm-hmm. like uh, for like maybe. Beverly Troop Beverly Hills like the opening titles or something you know they I remember he was over there when he was like young I mean mm-hmm. he I was younger but he was <laughs> he was young you know pre pre Ren Stimpy and stuff whatever mm-hmm. um and uh but anyway you know they were kind of a cool studio and they were making this feature and you know honestly they were the only people at the time that really gave Disney kind of like a run for their money in terms of like, like a feature film doing well after that. And, and Ferngully did really well. And then, yeah. And I thought, you know, Oh, cool. This is going to be awesome. There's, they're going to make like a bunch of stuff. And, uh, but it didn't happen. Hmm. <laughs> they went to Why? Warner brothers and that pretty oh. much ruined it. Oh yeah. Cause I think Ferngully <laughs> was through Fox 20th century Fox or something. Um, yeah, and that was pretty much like Warner Brothers is pretty much a disaster. Oops, did I say that? Shit. No, that's fine. <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone knows. Um, what ended up being your first uh, TV gig? 
Yeah, well, it was Family Dog. But oh, then, Family Dog, yeah, but I guess after that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so after Family Dog, you know, we were, we did this Opus and Bill Christmas special that um, was really fun at the same studio. Basically, it was weird. Like, Family Dog got taken away from us. Oh, how that? Um... Yeah, so there was, like, some drama that happened. You know, Family Dog got taken away from that studio, mm. and it got sent to Canada to, like, Nelvana or something that finished mm. it up, that ended up doing it. Um, so we were too slow or over budget or who knows. I wasn't involved in any of that stuff, and nor did I snoop around because I, I was just too happy to be making money like drawing cartoons yeah. for a living like i was just like Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um so then you know it was kind of taken away from us and then suddenly i was working on this this new christmas special and all these bluth people were working on it like linda miller and like all these people came back from ireland because they were in ireland for bluth studios at the time yeah. um and they they all came back and they were all suddenly working around me and I was working for them and stuff. So then I was doing some more animation, like either assisting or doing more key animation um, on that. Um, Cause that thing was like fully animated here. It's really amazing. Hmm. Actually the animation is really beautiful if you look at that special. Um, but it was- What's it called? What's it, it's what's called, it was called Opus and Bill, A Wish for Wings That Work. Um, mm -hmm. And it's based on, you know, the Bloom County characters, the comic strip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opus, and Opus the penguin, and Bill the cat. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so then we started working on that. And then when that dried up, I had, like, nothing. Um, and I always what, tell... Yeah, you say would, nothing, you mean like, like, like money or like nothing. What? Yeah, like I had no money because, <laughs> oh. because I was like so excited to be making money that I just bought like, you know, tons of stuff, like tons of comic books. And uh, like, the, the MC Hammer. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Music equipment. And like, yeah, like just I was like, oh, my God, you know. And I think yeah, I was yeah. making like $850. And that back in 1990, like that was pretty good per week, you know, sure. eight fifty a week. Um, I think that was my starting pay back then. And, you know, it's amazing, like, how little it's, like, grown since then <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was like, okay, crazy, you know, like, bought everything. Um, but then after that, I, I was still really young and relatively unknown in the industry, and I couldn't get work. Like I kind of like missed the window for all the job openings, you know, the timing Damn. window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, what was the timing window like at the time? Was it just kind of like a, like a seasonal thing? Was it like, do you have to wait? Like, like every quarter is kind of like a new wave or was it kind of more of like a yearly kind of thing? It was definitely seasonal. I mean, it was like mm. the old style. Um, it still kind of is, you know, like how yeah. there's never any hiring around this time, you know, because yeah. it just Winter. does yeah, yeah, it just doesn't happen. They'll hire like after the new year. 
because mm-hmm. um, the holiday, don't, don't yeah. wanna, you're not going to pay two weeks off. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't understand it, but <laughs> yeah. I, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just kind of weird. Like, if you want to get good artists, just be looking for them all the time, right? Like, and then yeah. if one becomes yeah. available, hire them. So, yep. like, because you don't know who's going to be available after the new year. But that's never, yeah, like, yeah. on anybody's mind when it comes to money, you know? Like, so. No. But, um yeah we we so i didn't i didn't know anybody i had nothing um and i always tell this to like young people that i talk to like it always works out you know like because i thought like i basically didn't work for almost a year like like i was on like transitional to welfare i think or something like like um but uh i had so much fun (laughs) that year (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like somehow I lived it was fine and somehow I did all this stuff like there was no internet back then yeah. um and so I did a bunch of film projects like I filmed I, I shot a live action like little promo thing for the band Sonic Youth mm, and wow. um and I did some something else like I don't know if that was ever used for anything or whatever but like just there was like so many little things that I create like creative stuff that you know I was working on and if any other friends were like out of work um then at the time then we would like you know get together and like start up like different projects and stuff and uh and so it was actually really like creatively it was like a really uh like productive time period for me (laughs) that time off yeah i was just dead broke but uh, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes right? Lose, right yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's... uh we had like jorge was kind of mentioning that in this episode is like when you're in the most trouble that's when you kind of are the most creative i guess yeah is that escapism sure. maybe but i feel like there's like something there for sure yeah it was great um and then you know but then it was starting to get a little bit rough like too tight like, yeah. too too raw it was <laughs> too, too raw so then uh then i was like um i think i better get a job so uh, somewhere <laughs> i think i really need one now you know like um and then i got uh i got hired on ren and stimpy so um oh know. wow how was that like it was awesome i mean ren and stimpy was already legendary like as soon as it came out I think oh, I think people don't really understand or remember like what the industry was like before that and then they don't really understand like what Ren and Stimpy did for the industry. Um What would you what would you say that is? What would you say is was the big difference or like how did uh Ren and Stimpy change the industry? Well, really it was because like most of the stuff, well, let's face it, like all the stuff basically was just like crap like it was like product based um like non-creator driven um like just crap like it was like super bad quality and the and all the properties were like like you know you didn't even they were just there was just all marketing basically you know right and uh so you know what john did and I guess what was happening kind of with The Simpsons too, you know, is that at the same time, really, they came out like kind of around the same time, um, is that 
they kind of were returning to like you know creator driven stuff and um those were like the first shows that had i mean i think ren and stimpy might have been the first show actually that had the created by title on it so that was like a big deal you know really um, like you mean wow that's actually really interesting because i didn't realize that the created by was so recent yeah and also just like also crediting people in the front credits um that was something Mm -hmm, that john mm -hmm. did um that like hadn't been done previously where you got like you know written by or storyboards by in the front of the cartoon Mm. um yeah and there was a lot of pushback i remember like for him doing that um at the time um the studios just didn't want to do it um that's, and it's funny what we take for granted now yeah yeah it's yeah. that's why it's like really cool to hear that kind of like what are the changes that like things that happen yeah and Gindy wow. was the first person on samurai jack to credit the the korean directors the animation directors in the front of the oh cartoon. for sure yeah because wow. they yeah. just they just were like faceless nameless people that like made they actually make the cartoon you know they yeah, actually watching. do it yeah yeah and candy was like no 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 no. these people like you know we we need to give like these people credit you know That's which awesome. is awesome yeah um so, but it had never really been done before you know um mm-hmm. so that was like something new Any, anyway so like ren and stimpy like basically also just the attention to quality you know um which was something that really wasn't a focus not even on the simpsons really you know like ren and stimpy pushed the simpsons to like rise above too but um do you feel like um when you say that it's because like each production was looking at each other's cartoons or did the artists like know each other or like how do you feel like that competition arose uh both yeah both i mean you know the artists did know each other a lot of them of course Mm -hmm. um but also you know you're really aware I feel like there were less projects happening too back then and you would be really aware of like kind of what was happening and like i said most of the stuff was like crap so if something was like really good like it stood out like you noticed it you know and that was definitely true for ren and stimpy like i remember seeing that for the first time I mean, it really happened, like, with Mighty Mouse, I think, earlier, like, when I was in high school. Like, when Mighty Mouse was on, um, we were just like, oh, my God, this is, like, awesome. Like, this is actually somebody who's trying to make funny cartoons and, like, but, like, the drawings are all amazing and, like, beautiful and, like, um, you know, it was just, like, a totally different approach to, like, what we had been watching on TV uh you know and and once i started working on ren stimpy i realized that really all all it was was that you know those guys were just trying to those guys and me too you know like when i was started working on it it's like we were just trying to duplicate what those great guys like on the old looney tunes what they were what they were doing and like what mad magazine guys were doing like harvey kurtzman and stuff like um And so it's really like going back to like something not and and also like you know creating something new but but you know you always like kind of like look back on stuff i think to get inspired 
you have to i think if you look yeah. if you only look at recent current stuff you don't really it becomes like this weird um yeah like uh regurgitate like it yep. just yes. becomes weird like yeah so yes. you, you want to go back to the source i always feel like <laughs> yeah um absolutely yeah and so like even like a lot of those theories and ideas that were in Ren and stimpy are like from looney tunes like the clo super detailed close-up paintings and stuff those are actually like in the old looney tunes cartoons like if you yeah, cut I guess to, they are huh yeah yeah if you cut to like a close-up of elmer's eyes or something they'd be all like <laughs> super rendered and bloodshot and that actually just comes from real life i mean i i realized uh when we were talking about it, that that's just like what happens in real life. When you put somebody's hand right in front of your face, then you can see all the wrinkles in the skin and stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. just what happens in reality. So like, and then, you know, if they're further away, you don't see that stuff. So it was kind of like that was the theory. Um, yeah, so, but anyway, you know, all that stuff just came, a lot of that stuff just came from, from those old cartoons. Um, mm -hmm. Um, so that's just kind of like, you know, that was an experience also because that was, it was super drama at that studio. <laughs> yeah. It's famous, uh, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Or I don't know if people know about it now, but also I don't know if people realize like that cartoon was huge. Like it was so popular um, and it basically made Nickelodeon. Like they could open yep. their studio because of that show. Um, I didn't realize that it was like that. Ren and Stimpy was the one that, because for me in my head, it's always been SpongeBob. I always no, thought no, 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 no. That's yeah. way later. SpongeBob yeah. would never have existed without Ren and Stimpy for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Um, wow. But it's like, uh, yeah, it was like amazing. It was huge. It was like a huge phenomenon. And the thing that happened with it was that it had started on Nick and you know, the popularity of it was kind of slow, but, um, but they started to show it on MTV at the time. And that's when huh. it really took off, but it took off with like college kids and like, you know, yeah. teens and stuff. Like it took up, took off with older people and it just became huge. So then it just like crossed over, um, like in a giant way. Um, and it was just, it was this crazy <laughs> phenomenon. Like they had a signing at Golden Apple, I remember. And it was like, I don't know, like thousands of people came. Wow. Like the line was like in, insane. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and that I was- I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that. Cause it's like, I feel like, you know, um, studios are always pushing for like younger content, younger, cause it's like safer. And it's true, it's a safer bet, but it's like, I feel like every cartoon that's a phenomenon is always a cartoon that ends up appealing to like yep. teens and like college kids. Well, because it's crossover appeal, right? You're, you're getting more audience for the same show. So like, yeah, why I never, only, f it's weird. I never understand um, actually the studios because they've actually agreed with this theory and and I've talked about it with some studio people but then they'll say the exact opposite when they're choosing shows. That's like so bizarre. And, and yeah, you always want to skew older because younger kids yeah. will always watch what the older kids are watching, but it never yes. happens in the reverse. Yes, And exactly. so I don't know why they still slant some of these shows like super young. 
you know um, I, I i think it's like the only reason that i the only thing that i can come up with is like when you see coco melon is like so it's always on netflix it's always in the top 10 always 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 so it's like because yeah. parents are like oh this is safe for my baby to it's watch just, it's money and it's marketing yeah. that's all it but is. it's just but it's extremely young it's either you go extremely young or you go I'm well, I mean, just a thought. <laughs> six to eleven is a is a very firm bracket, and like, yeah. um, I made a a, a, sh a short at Nickelodeon called Planet Panic that um, uh, I was trying to get into development, and I had conversations like early on where I was like, I was like, I don't see this as like a six to eleven show. I see it as a show that just happens to be look like a kids show, but there's more to it, and. Um, the person I was speaking to was like, you want to still call it six to 11. Like, don't, don't let on that. There's more to this that like might be too much for kids or, you know, whatever uh, that might have adult themes because like, it's just all it, he didn't say this, but it's like, it's all toys, right? It's all like toys and marketing. And you want to have, you. It, it's exactly what V said, where it's like, it's for moms to be like, I can put my kid down in front of this for an hour. Cause I don't want to deal with the little shit. And so, like, it's just, it's that, like, weird, safe bracket. And yeah. I think that's the way it's tricky. Because I feel like Ren and Stimpy would typically be the kind of show that my mom would be like, I don't want you to watch it because it's oh, ugly. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Oh, that <laughs> like, happened at the time, for sure. Yeah. Tons yeah, yeah, of, yeah. I'm, I always meet people, still, to this day, I meet people that are like, oh, God, I wasn't allowed to watch that show. But I, I snuck. I, like, tried to watch yeah. it. Yeah. See, that's. That's the thing. It actually, I think, made it even more popular because if they weren't allowed to watch it, then it was yeah. it became this it's same forbidden fruit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was like crazy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. And then when wow. I watch that show, if you guys have watched it, it's like crazy. Like I, yeah, like yeah. like yeah, this show would never have gotten made in a million years for kids nowadays. And no. one of the things. It, that the one of the reasons I think that it, it kind of got by uh, like some of the things got in was because there was no internet back then. So like the execs like actually couldn't look up some some slang terms and stuff. And I they Interesting. and they actually didn't know what the meaning was, you know, because there's like an episode I watched and there was like a fake commercial for like chode cereal. And I was like, I'm like, oh my God, what the heck? Like, Nobody say anything. Nobody yeah, say anything. Yeah. And I'm like, this could only have happened if the execs don't know what that is, right? It's There's no way that would have gotten approved like any other way. So then I realized, oh yeah, you know, they couldn't look it up. Like there was no, oh, hey, now they could look up everything and they'd be like, oh God, no, we can't have that. And, you know, but. Um, that's crazy yeah, but back then they, they were up to their own knowledge or own devices so wow, I, yeah. I, just, I just think um yeah it was pretty amazing <laughs> um but i yeah. i uh that that show basically you know opened the door i think for like creator driven um creator driven shows you know um for sure and then the next show, or one of the next shows that I'd work on, definitely wouldn't have existed without it. I mean, pretty much like a lot of the shows I worked on wouldn't have existed if Ren and Stimpy hadn't like kind of paved the way. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, including SpongeBob. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, SpongeBob. I mean, SpongeBob had some Spunko artists on it, like Todd White mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. 
yeah, so and and Aaron Springer. Um, they yeah. didn't work on Ren and Stimpy, but they worked with John. Um, mm-hmm. So, what uh, what did you work on after after that after Ren and Stimpy? Did you when did you go to Cartoon Network? Yeah, so Ren and Stimpy, you know, um, Ren and Stimpy was kind of pivotal in my career, I think, because that's like when I met, you know, Chris Riccardi and Lynn Naylor, and you know, they were. Actually, the two of them are probably, like, you know, two of the biggest influences in my life, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, and and also, I would, you know, it would spawn a friendship with them um, that, you know, I would continue to work with them for, you know, decades, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked with other people from school on Ren and Stimpy, you know, I got like Don Shank and, and those guys like, um, uh, Tom McGrath. Um, we all went to school together and, you know, then I got to like work with them, uh, some more. I'd worked with Don previously on family dog. Um, I think I mentioned, but, but, uh, mm-hmm. then we hadn't worked together for a while. So it was kind of like a reunion. Um, and, you know, Don, I'd work with, again, on the Powerpuff Girls. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, I think those those relationships you form, like, early on, you know, they keep coming back. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's really important. Yeah. Um, so I just was fortunate to meet all these, like, really amazing artists. Um, they're still amazing. Art- you know, it's always amazing artists coming out every generation. Um, so... It's just cool. Like I just got lucky to to be kind of grouped with them. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if I'm yeah, the yeah. same level totally. as them, but like I'm definitely lucky to be, you know, to be able to like hang out with them and draw together for sure. <laughs> I think um, it's funny you say that because I don't know. I think like your art is like really specific and really really cool. And when I was working with you on Spidey, I was like, wow, those drawings are just like so good and expressive and fun to look at and i'm like you're i don't know you're an amazing artist and it's really funny for me to hear you've been like oh i don't know I'm that <laughs> it's all familiar to me everyone yeah. i think everybody has the exact same insecurities yeah. yeah i do i do like not to say you know i'm so awesome but yeah. uh, but you should i do like notice nowadays you know I think, you know, one thing that I will point out, um, because it's interesting now, like when I meet a lot of young people, um, I'm teaching at CalArts right now too. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And um, and it's, it's interesting to talk to the young people because a lot of them are really um, kind of not very educated about, um, and I don't, well, I kind of mean this in a negative way, but not, <laughs> yeah. but not, I mean, Light they're, they're all sweet. They're all like amazing. Um, yeah. all my students. Um, I was just going to say a lot of the young people I talk to, like for some reason, they, they, they're not very knowledgeable about like the past, like past artists and stuff and mm-hmm. in the industry even. And, uh, I'm kind of like, past, do you mean like also art history? Kinda, or that too like, i mean yeah. i mean there's that but then also just in animation like it was kind oh, of amazing, amazing to me that um that 
you know, people working in the industry might not know who, I don't know who Chris Riccardi was or like who, sure. um, you know, or whatever, you know, I don't know what, but like, it's just kind of weird to me because even back when I was in school and, you know, when I was, a, when I was a youngster, um, mm-hmm. no, it, it just, we didn't even have internet or anything that the information wasn't even that easy to find for us. Mm-hmm. But then we mm-hmm. still knew like who all these like old timers at Disney and stuff were. And we still like really, you know, worship that like wanted to learn from them or know stuff from them. And, yeah. and it's kind of really like weird, the environment now, because all that counterintuitive. Yeah, especially with the internet, you would think that it's all accessible, but yeah. I think it's because now we have a lot of information, and it's harder to find. It's oversight, yeah. You know, it's like I think that's what it is because it's like, like I think now, like people were more likely to look at people who are doing things now. Like you know, it's more like instantaneous. Right. Like you're gonna be like, oh, is that person active on Instagram? Yep. If they are, yep. therefore, like they're they're relevant. If they're not, then I don't know they exist. Right. You know? yeah. kind but it's kind of lazy, don't you think? Like, oh yeah. I, I don't know if it's like I know what you're saying. I think it's kind of lazy because people don't yeah. really want to go through the effort to research anything now because maybe yeah, it, there is yeah. all this information bombarding them. Uh, mm. They already have that information, but then they don't really, I think, look for the right stuff or something mm-hmm. or it's i don't definitely, know yeah no you, i see what you're saying i mean and it's definitely a shift and i think it's it kind of applies to a lot of different things not just like artists but it's yeah when there is sure. when there is a, a scarcity of information or knowledge that's like you it's more enticing to seek it out yeah. and so like when i was you know getting into animation yeah like there was internet but it wasn't like crazy and like i I was the people that I looked up to. I was like trying to just like find whatever I could about their work and like, you know, any interviews or anything. But now it's just, yeah, it's like, it's just, you're getting blasted all the time. And so it like fills that quota, I think, in in people's heads of like, okay, I have attained knowledge about this thing. And so there's probably just like no desire to dig deeper because your brain is already so overwhelmed with everything that's happening in the world at all times. (laughs) And yeah, so yeah. it's it's hard to care, I think. It's just it's yeah. hard to want to dig. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. That's my I, theory. I don't I know. I also but uh yeah, I know I totally agree with that. I think, you know, I I kinda I mean, I know that it's shifting. I don't wanna sound like an old person that's like doesn't really understand what's going on because I yeah. right. I totally totally understand that. Like, um and it was different like for sure like i was saying before like without internet and stuff because you really had to like go search out the stuff Mm -hmm. um and so then you would like you know find uh very specific things um it wasn't about quantity it was kind of about quality (laughs) or something Mm -hmm. i guess or i should if i can equate it to that you know like because we just didn't have that much stuff because you wouldn't obviously like go to the comic store and just buy like you know 50,000 books so you just have the images from those books where now you can just like download or like save or whatever right like you're you probably like you know 5,000 artists in your Instagram feed you know per day or something you know like um 
I, I feel like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. And I was saying like, that's, I think kind of the difference also. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think in a weird way, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but, um, no, go for it. but since we were talking about Instagram and stuff, it, it made me think about like, I was kind of like realizing that it's weird because there's, there's no real gauge of like, uh, like what's professional or what's good or what's not, you know, and I know some of that stuff's subjective, but then some of it, I believe like, and I'm going to sound, I think kind of elitist, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, like, I believe like there's a certain amount of training and, and whatever knowledge that goes into our craft. And when we're professionals, then, our, we should hold our stuff to a certain standard, like yeah. in a way. And I feel that evaporating with like on Instagram and stuff because there's just no idea of like what is really good or not good or what is because, you know, people now in our industry are starting to equate the amount of followers that somebody has with with like their the quality of their work value or something Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh and that's definitely not true like right and uh, yeah yeah and uh um and then i even see it with the artists because the artists think like oh i have all these followers um so i'm hot shit you know and uh and sometimes you are and sometimes you're not sometimes you know you suck and you have like (laughs) you know honestly so it's just uh it's kind of interesting for me to like see that happening and it's actually kind of negative a little bit um because i I, the reason why i say it's negative is because i actually had the experience at dreamworks where that they asked me to like look at somebody to talk to interview somebody basically um because they they were considering them to be an art director oh Um, interesting yeah and so um and so i was like oh yeah cool yeah so then you know i i went and met that person and then i realized this person knows nothing about animation (laughs) like who is this person (laughs) and so uh so afterwards I went, oh, so yeah, I talked to that person. Um, they were like, oh yeah, what, so what did you think? And I was like, well, this person uh, doesn't have any experience or and they don't understand like the pipeline or like how it's going to work. And, you know, art directing is not just like even I'm a good artist. It's like a lot of things. It's a management position. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. have to know how to. I, be a people person and like how to delegate and how to organize stuff and how to do things and how to pitch ideas to people because mm-hmm. you know so it's actually more about that stuff than it is about being a good artist to be completely honest um but i was like this person doesn't really understand even like how the animation pipeline works so uh i don't think there would be good as an art director actually like and i'm like why did you uh, choose them and then they told me oh well they have like you know 60,000 followers on Instagram what 
Who, who do you know, um, if that's okay to ask, but like, do you know uh, at what level this kind of decision can happen? Is it more of like a, do you think an artist is kind of like, oh, look, I, I know of this person because they have this amount of followers, or do you think it's something that's usually more on the like uh, studio production type of side? No, this would have had to have been from like, either from like recruitment or development Right. Um, mm-hmm. like from the execs I think you know like mm-hmm. somebody would have had to have suggested and I, I'm not even gonna say who this person was anyway um, sure yeah but yeah, of course their artwork yeah. was was cool actually um so it wasn't actually like I, I wasn't poo-pooing on them based on mm-hmm. their talent or anything and anyway yeah um, but it's different it's yeah, a different yeah. Of skills. but but then but then i'm like you know we're making animation and we're you know we're in the business and you should know better in a way like yeah. like there's other people at the studio that you won't allow them to like move up and they've actually been working here for a while that's what got me was that yeah. they were considering this outside person that was um not even in animation in the industry um and they were considering them for a really high position but then people who had been there that were like wanting to move up and stuff and who were already great like who uh they were denying them like higher positions and stuff saying that they they didn't have enough experience or something and i'm like that was like a double standard there's something that's, that I hear yeah. and I kind of want to know what you think about it, but I hear that sometimes when you want to move up, it's better to move around studios. Would you say that's true or like, or you don't have to answer also if you. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think it's true. Okay. Um, you know, um, you can always bleep out the studio names when I say it, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think <laughs> I, I might get in trouble for saying, but I was, I was going to say <laughs> for sure, like, like my team on Rocky and Bullwinkle was awesome. Like all my artists are like, were great. We're like super A plus. And a lot of them were really diverse. Like they can do a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, I told when, when we were finishing up and they were trying to place them, I was like, you guys need to keep, you know, these people, like you need to keep these this person and this person, you know, this person is such a good worker and they do everything. Mm-hmm. There's no drama with them. Like those things are like important, you know, like, yes, uh, yeah. for people that you want to hire. And, um, they didn't keep any of my team. <sighs> and, um, and I was like, okay, you guys are going to be sorry because first of all, a lot of these people just came like, this is their second job or something and they're cheap and you guys are stupid because they're gonna go somewhere else and get paid more money because you guys are paying them crappy anyway yeah and then they're gonna come if you ever want to get them back they're gonna be twice as expensive you know and uh (laughs) it was like (laughs) telling them like just based on the a business decision i think you guys are making a mistake but like not to mention that they're just like great you know people yeah, yeah yeah i think studios just it's everyone's disposable I, I it's i think that it's just a they're they're not they're never thinking long term right like it's always like who is the right hire in the moment who cares about career growth or anything like i've never gotten that 
Back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can. I always tell the young people I'm talking to, too, like my students and stuff to like, you know, just remember that scandal, basically, where they were like wage fixing. Yep. Yeah. Just oh, re- I forgot al- about that. Just always yeah. remember that because yeah. that is the studios that you work for. Like, yeah. never get yep. tricked yeah. into thinking that the yep. studios Damn. think that have they have your like best interests at heart. Sorry, I just can't yeah. trust them. And you know what? They have some. They should work hard to gain our trust again. I I think it's amazing that a lot of artists I talk to now like trust them already. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, they yeah. don't like that yeah. wasn't that long ago. Don't forget, like. But I yeah, feel like I also for, I it's happened. like I I totally understand because I feel like if you're going to go into animation, you're probably someone who's like a kid at heart. So you're probably I mean, I say that because that's how I, I kind of am. I'm like pretty naive and like gullible. And, and I'm like, of course, yeah, they want to work with me. This is a blessing, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of hard to break out of that mentality. So I kind of see both sides and kind of why it's like it kind of makes the artist like a especially when you start out you're like an easy target <laughs> yeah well luckily you know I, I feel like a lot of the young artists are getting more involved in the union and stuff and they actually talk yeah. to each other about like their wages and stuff and I feel like uh you know it's a it's a good thing uh it was good for me you know my generation like we never talked about our wages and that was propagated wow. from by the studios you know and uh and honestly you know I found out like more recently that hey you know i'm getting paid like really low for like an old guy like i should be getting paid like a lot more than what i was and that was just like kind of not too long ago as i started to talk to young people like they started asking me how much i make you know oh yeah and um and i'm like whoa at first i was like taken aback i'm like whoa that's so personal like (laughs) (laughs) but uh but no i think i it's you know for me I, i feel like that's it's a great thing actually that that came out of that whole thing um yeah but I, I think i think young people are a little bit more savvy about it and also let me clear something up too like i don't think everybody at all the studios is evil anyway um so i, I don't want to make it yeah. seem like you know uh you know no, but, but and you know at the end of the day it's also like because you know it's like shows have a budget and there's only so much you can do with the budget too kind of thing right so it's kind of like um if every you know so like from a from a producer's point of view as well right it's like well you have to everybody's kind of always trying to make decisions like tactical decisions and it's like as an artist you're making tactical decisions in terms of like when you're considering a position you're like well if they're not willing to go to match my rate yeah. I can just look for another gig and you know it's like you know no harm I mean it's I think just, I think it, it people, is how it is I think people are getting more savvy though um you know this recent strike mm-hmm. uh live action but I I feel like it applies to us too like where you know people are getting a little bit more savvy about like how how much money we make for the studio but like how little we get paid um and when you yeah kind of compare it like proportionally to like how much the execs get paid um then 
you know, you start realizing like that it's not balanced, you know? Um, and mm. so, so they'll, they'll like underpay so-and-so like these people, but then, mm. you know, their CEO gets like, you know, $30 million a year yeah. or something, you know? And that's where it becomes like, what mm-hmm. is going on? You know, you, he could make, you know, a million less. Million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you can pay these people like decently or something, you know, like it becomes like it's out of proportion, you know, and yeah. when companies like Ben and Jerry's, you know, were doing that, that kind of like cool, like, uh, like, you know, they had that wage uh, thing where. Oh, transparency kind of. Yeah, but the employees always make like a certain percent of like what the execs make. So if the execs wow. get a raise, the employees get a raise. So it's wow. always like uh, connected, you know, like and that's mm-hmm. I think, you know, companies should start doing those kind of things more. Yeah. And being transparent yeah. because I think I, I don't think I'm ever going to trust like these big studios unless they did something like that, because you just have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on you know with all the golden parachutes i've seen and all this stuff you know Mm. uh it's just kind of ridiculous and uh, it's nuts yeah of course you know some people are going to make more than others i'm not really saying that and also i'm not saying everybody's like evil too because like i like we were talking about v i totally agree like Mm -hmm. each show has its own budget too yeah so you could be at the same studio and get be, be getting paid low because your show has a much lower budget than another show mm-hmm. there anyway. And so, you know, you negotiate and you, you get your wage, you know, like, um, and that happens too, you know, you might be really bad at negotiating for yourself. <laughs> do you by any chance? I am. A... So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, do you, do you have like a rep or I don't, I should, you know, like, I, yeah. I feel like I never needed it because I always people know me and they always if you don't need it yeah. ask me for but but at the same time I don't know if I'm getting like a good deal for for my pay and stuff because right. and that's and that's the thing that I feel like I don't know when you get hired on a job it should just be fair and you shouldn't have to feel like you're dealing with like I don't know used car salesman or something to like <laughs> You know, it it feels like, you know, you're going to get like ripped off in a way, Yeah. you know, and, and why does, and why do you have to feel like that? You know, when you're like dealing with your, the, you know, your, basically your, your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your livelihood. Yeah. Um, anyway, I would love to hear about what prompted you opening up the gallery Q-pop and how that all got started. Cause that's, that's a hard left from, from doing animation yeah. work. Yeah. Well, it's kind of connected to what we were just talking about. So like being in complaining mode, I guess it's a good time to transition. To that. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I was like business. Let's do business. Yeah. Also, I don't want to be too complaint sound too complaining because, um, wait, going back to just like animation, like, um, I've worked on so many cool projects with so many great people. So it's like, um, you know, I, I feel like that's, I've had so much fun. Like, you know, obviously I'm not so spoiled that I 
I can't understand like how cool my job is, I guess, like compared to yeah, some but that's, other jobs, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not even a factor. Like I think that's, you know, we're, right now as we're recording this, like there's negotiations happening for the new deal yeah. for the, um, for the guild and for the animation industry. And like, that's something that keeps being reiterated is it's like, they they use they hold the enthusiasm that people have as hostage and it's mm -hmm. like yeah you like doing this right so you will you know and so it's like that is has nothing to do with any of this talk like we all love what we yeah. do the problem is that that's been taken advantage of and, and just for like yeah yeah, yeah. A, like a little tangent but i i do think it's important to realize like how much money there is in the in this business and it's important right. to kind of fight for our wages because one of the reasons why i moved to the u.s was like well I had the opportunity, but on top of that, I was at a point in my career where I was like, this is too much work for the money that I'm making. I mm -hmm. don't think I can keep doing this. It's, it's too, like, I love doing it for, for a year or two, but I am constantly burnt out. And that was in France. And I was like, I don't think I can keep doing this. I was really at a crossroad. I was like, I probably have to quit this job because it's too much. And in France, you don't see anyone that's like past like 35 in animation. It's cause it's like just so much yeah so it's like people are like yeah i'm a fireman now <laughs> they're like yeah they're like <laughs> completely like they're like uh that was fun i'm, I'm done <laughs> so i i think like the, the reason why the the industry here is a is more um uh like healthy is because there's a union and people can mm -hmm. can actually afford to like keep working you know it's like not destroying yeah for uh, sure. our life <laughs> i mean i have to I mean, I mean i hate to break it to you but i mean you know i mean it's hard here too also and people here have obviously like quit the industry too and stuff yeah. um because it's it's also hard here actually um yeah. you know we just hopefully get paid a little bit more and that's like our union has helped with that um yeah. from i'm i yeah go ahead no just i mean that was the reason the union was created you know like yeah was yeah exactly. primarily because disney was like slaving people out yeah disney but, was the worst back in the day yeah um but i spent the last year looking for work like you were saying like you took that year off and that was that was me this year it was like i was just burnt the hell out and I didn't want to jump into something new that I wasn't going to enjoy. And I also did a lot of, of other shit and just tried to survive. But I, I took a break from TV. Like I finally got a job in, in games for, for now and it's stable and there's actual talk of career growth. Like they actively are like trying to promote people. Like it's like, there's an initiative there and they're really strict about work-life balance. And I'm like, Oh, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I'm like, mm. Oh, just like water in the desert. And it's, even if it's not like my passion, it's, it's nice to just be valued for, for, for now, you know? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. You just, yeah. you mentioned people I've been leaving the industry and it's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty burnt right now. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, yeah, yeah. on my current thing and i'm like oh god and i don't know you know like i i want to take a year off basically <laughs> and but the funny thing is like you know in our business the thing that kind of sucks is that because we don't really or i don't make like a ton of money it's like i'll get caught up and be like oh yeah i'm, I'm kind of good right now financially but then and then if I took a year off, then I'd be like, oh, God, sad. I'd have to, like, catch up. Like, I got to work now, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. and I wish I yeah. could just be, like, cool with, like, oh, yeah, 
cool. Okay, yeah. I'll, I don't have to work right now, but, you know, maybe next. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk Q-pop. Yeah. So basically, Q-pop came about um, after I was working at Sony um, way back. Um, I, I had worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the first oh, yeah. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I love that. Yeah. And um, which was great. So much fun. Um, and then I worked on Hotel Transylvania, which was not that fun. Mm -hmm. Um, now I I didn't work on the Gindy version, so don't get actually the Gindy version. I probably would have been great on. Yeah. Um, the version I worked on was with a different director earlier and it just wasn't, I think a good match. Like I just, Mm. I think you know, that director wanted something that was a little bit more, uh, I don't know, dramatic. But the fun, mm-hmm. the weird thing was that they kept pitching me and telling me to do funny stuff and do my thing. Hmm. And so it was kind of confusing <laughs> because then I would do that and they'd be like, oh, that was great. Uh, but could you maybe not do that? Like do something else. And then, and then, but they wouldn't say that. They'd be like, oh, could you maybe make it less funny to go by a little bit, you know? And so then I do another pass and they're like, oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, but could you make it a little less funny? That's um, so weird. Yeah, so it it was, sometimes it just happens, you know? Um, yeah. I, I tell my students that too, like, you know, sometimes you can't help it. Like, sometimes you're just not a good fit, like, with the people that you're working with. It's somehow, they don't, like I your think that's really, style yeah. or something or you, or something happens you know it just doesn't jive and it has nothing to do you have to like remember it in your head so you don't get depressed about it like it's just not really it doesn't really have anything to do with your work or the quality of your work actually it's, it really yeah it's really something that like is really hard it was kind of like hard for me to understand and it's kind of something that is kind of i think um a reason why I usually kind of like tests because I feel like they're like a casting call and I feel like sometimes like like it's kind of crazy but being an artist really is being casted like an actor on a on a movie and it's kind of like are you know do you have the sensibility or like do you kind of have that like connection with the director and it's like you know it's not about who you are as a person it's just like it's just like oh well it's not no it doesn't talk about like whether you're a good artist or not it just is about like oh do you just kind of like the same things like this person likes and that's fine if you don't you're just you know yeah. i don't know i guess it's like something that's kind of like because sometimes you know like for me i was just kind of like well if i'm just a really great artist i could do anything and then it's like no <laughs> there's more to just like drawing <laughs> and it's hard to yeah it's really hard to remember yeah it's just and, it's just like a, yeah. a personality thing or a style thing sometimes like you know yeah and uh you don't know who you're if you're working for new people that you've never worked for before then it just you know hopefully yeah. they know your stuff and that's why they hired you but sometimes it just isn't really like that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah 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 so it does it just doesn't work out but anyway so that Hotel Transylvania I worked on, I actually ended up leaving 
um, it wasn't going that great anyway, in mm-hmm. in a in a weird way. So like, and that's what happens sometimes on features is that you're like a superstar on one movie and then you switch to another movie and it's a different team and then you're like mm-hmm. kind of in the doghouse yeah. <laughs> for, the, yeah. for that one. Um, <laughs> and it's happened to like a lot of friends of mine too, like where, you know, at Disney feature too, like when I was over there, it's like they were on one production and I don't know, for some reason the art director didn't like them or something or had something against them and then they were they were almost going to get fired, you know? Mm-hmm. in a weird way and then suddenly they go on to a different movie and then those people love them and they're the same artist and but suddenly yeah. they're like superstars you know yeah. on that thing so it's just it's like really weird there's a lot of politics involved too i'm like it's just um but but yeah so i, I didn't have a great time <laughs> on that hotel transylvania and just in general. And, you know, I was, like, really burnt and kind of just ty- frustrated at, like, you know, just about, like, how we we always try to do things um, and plus these projects that we're on and, yeah. and contribute and, like, make the best thing that we can. But there's always, like, an attitude coming from above that that somehow we're trying to sabotage the project. There's always like this weird attitude that it's like, yeah. And I'm, and it's the furthest from the truth because everybody wants the project that they're on to be a huge success. And if it's a show, of course you want it to be a success because you want it to continue for more seasons so you can have work and stuff. And so Your names on it, yeah. Yeah, and so really like there's always like this weird attitude from like production and the studio that they they somehow think that the artists are like trying to pull a fast one over on them or something or <laughs> or do something i always get this this feeling from them so um um so i was kind of tired of it actually mm. i was tired of all the just all of that like all of that yeah uh, Kind of like politics and just like the the kind of like yeah it's never like fun or easy to like make cartoons which is what it should be i think um yeah and uh or you know sometimes it is but you know it's just i had been like on a bunch of bad jobs so i was just like oh god you know i'm just tired of this so so my my wife and i my my girlfriend at the time but um we we kind of like, you know, had always seen cool shops and stuff like when we we're traveling. And, uh, and so we were like, we should just open our shop, you know, like a shop, like, oh, you know, like that, like that shop that we saw in Japan or like, oh, you know, that one shop. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, should we open our own shop? Like, we should just open our shop, you know? But it was always kind of like BS talk, like, all the time. Mm. Like, we would always be saying that, but we it would never happen, right? It's like, oh, yeah, we should do that. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, mm-hmm. whatever, and then go back to work, you know? Like, um, um, yeah. But then, so then, then I was suddenly, like, finished at Sony. Like, I, I quit, and I was like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore, so... And then I was like thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start looking for a new job, you know. Here, go through this process again. I'm like, oh god, I don't even want to do this. And then I was talking 
uh, to Mickey, and she was like, should we just open our shop? And then it started off just like that same like BS yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then somehow we actually did it. We just did it. <laughs> Whoops. We like, yep. <laughs> we just went, okay. And then we did it. Yeah, we like found the location and we, we yeah, we just did it. It was crazy. I don't know. We were just crazy for the temporary insanity, but we did it. And how, like, how was, uh, that's so funny. It's funny because we've talked to, like, Spencer Wong, who, like, opened his studio, and Chris Brainowski, who's, like, John Titmouse, and the story is kind of similar. It's kind of, like, yeah. well, but got it happen. fall into it. It's like, and how do you, how do you deal with the, like, business side of thing? Like, all the, like, uh accounting and all that kind of like uh boring stuff did you like do it yourself did you hire someone how does that work Uh, how did that work at the beginning for you oh my god well there were a lot plenty of times where it didn't work (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's like a constant learning experience um because mickey and i neither one of us had like retail experience right anyway um so it was just born from like just passion about like what we liked and you know the landscape of everything was different back then too because really like there was no instagram and stuff yet when we first opened um so there was really no like there weren't that many good venues for for people Mm -hmm. to like sell their stuff and the idea when we started it was really like as sort of like a platform as a space for like my friends and stuff like people I knew in animation or other artists, whatever, they don't have to be in animation, but like other artists I knew that, you know, made stuff or made art and stuff, but they didn't really, they weren't really good about like selling it Mm -hmm. um, on their own. And uh, not that we were really, that we thought we were going to be great at selling it, but like just having a space that everybody could like put their stuff in and stuff. That was kind of like the idea behind it originally, you know, Mm. um yeah and it was it was cool yeah i mean um and you know i would credit like giant robot i guess because they're Mm. like sort of like the original shop gallery um from way back like they're the original people who did it eric Mm. is like um so i mean i don't think we like purposely said we're gonna make up giant robot but like definitely like <laughs> I, I feel like his presence looms large in somewhere you know yeah that's cool because <laughs> what was that based where were they giant robot they're like mm-hmm. i mean they were like they started out as a magazine they started out as a zine actually originally that was sort of like an asian pop culture zine with like movies mm-hmm. and stuff and then they then they turned into a, a proper magazine and then they opened like a brick and mortar and they're like on Sawtell um oh, so like okay. little osaka or whatever they call it yeah mm-hmm. like over on the west side of los angeles um and it, it, they're still open so I, we talked to eric. i don't think i've ever been there that's crazy i should go i feel like i've yeah i feel like i've been like a couple years ago yeah oh yeah they have like great, yeah. they have great art shows and stuff and they have like cool books and stuff and very cool um yeah i mean they were like kind of almost like gonna close and stuff for a while but they kind of pulled out out of it Mm -hmm. i pulled themselves out of that so Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but yeah so q-pop basically was just sort of like 
kind of as an alternate like like to get away from animation really too mm-hmm. like so we we just wanted to do our own thing and um just have fun like really like you know meeting cool artists like you guys you know like i mean i feel like that's like been the best part of Q-pop. Mm-hmm. um it's really hard for us because it's only us it's small you know so like right like uh for sure like what when when we first started but now even now you know we're not like huge we're sort of in the middle mm. and that's like where we were like okay what should we do now and the store's kind of shifted because of our location now mm-hmm. oh. mickey's pretty smart about business but you know we have a lot of anime fans and stuff because because of oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. where we are with An- yeah. anime jungle and stuff so so now we have like tns of like anime shirt t-shirts and stuff you know sure sure sure, sure. Got and a, those, got are, like, audience. those yeah. are huge sellers for us yeah for sure so like mm-hmm. um so it's not like we're not doing other still like stuff with artists and stuff um we we still are but we're almost like um kind of thinking of like a different yeah, model. yeah, a different model. Well, you got to pay the yeah. bills and you got to know, so, yeah, you got to bring people in. Um, for context, the people who aren't in L.A. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, so Q-pop is in, we should have probably said this earlier, but Q-pop yeah. is <laughs> in, uh, in Little Tokyo in L.A. And specifically, there's an area in the main kind of tourist uh, hub that is very anime-centric. It's like below... Uh, the mall kind of and it's there's it's called a little called... tokyo shopping mall technically oh, okay so there's a name for it okay yeah but it's underneath joe's parking like this big parking structure yeah so yeah, it's yeah, like this yeah. kind of underground tunnel it's cool yeah. <laughs> and there's there's a big it's like, cool like lights yeah yeah there's a big figure shop called jungle that has a lot of not just figures it's just like anime uh paraphernalia and then there's like a um, a gunpla store that's really awesome. That's got like tons of model kits. It's super cool and yeah, and those are yeah, all jungle. Really... Yeah, they're basically all owned. A lot of that <laughs> stuff is owned by Jungle. Yeah, it's Jungle funny. is and... actually from Japan, so they're this is like their LA branch. Um, mm-hmm. So it's actually a, like a big Japanese store, like toy store and and whatever you know, like a Japanese yeah. culture, pop yeah. culture stuff. So yeah, they so there's like a cosplay shop too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and uh, Q Pops is in there, sandwiched in there. Yeah. And it's it's <laughs> such a nice, it's such a good, such a staple. And like I, anytime I pass through there, I I have to like go in and get something. I don't know. It's it's such a nice hub for for the artist community. I think in L.A. and there really aren't many, if any. You know, it's so it's like it's great. I think it really fills a void and, uh, I can't imagine it not being there. It like, it, it has to be there. Never take it away from us. Chris. We need it. <laughs> I um, won't. Yeah. Um, it's appreciated. No, we, we, we appreciate it. I mean, we, you know, it's great. I love, I love it. I love actually love, love, love. Um, and it's really cool too because you have like a lot of people lining up like last time that i went to one of your shows that was like right before the pandemic like there was like a huge line we were like waiting for like the opening and stuff it was really cool oh yeah yeah some of the shows have been like really popular um so 
you know, we do have our, the, should I plug the, the new one coming? <laughs> yeah, dude, for, for sure. <laughs> so like on, on Valentine's of next year, we, we have uh, of 2022. This we, might come out around that time actually. So this would be great. Oh yeah. We could, we could okay. time it with that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. But anyway, it's, uh, we're going to have our, our Nicholas Cage themed art show. Um, Hell so yeah. please come and see it. There's going to be lots of cool, uh, you know, artwork of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and you and you know, you know you need some Nicolas Cage artwork hanging on your wall. You know you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know you do. I know I know some people off the top of my head that I know will come to that and buy Nicolas Cage artwork. Yeah, oh yeah. So. I mean, there I mean, people I think people forget like how many great movies Nicolas Cage has been in too, like Hell yeah. Yeah, especially so. lately. Yeah, it's lately some real actually. like cult movies lately. Yeah, I don't know if you if you guys watch Pig, but that was like amazing. Yeah, Pig was awesome. Yeah, um, Andy. Yeah, there's been Andy, a lot. Yeah. Um. um anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Q Pop. We've been there. Yeah, Twelve years, and we have a lot of uh, like cool like art design, uh, artist designed uh, vinyl toys and stuff from Japan and super cool. Um, some books, yeah. A lot of import stuff. I got a, a big Usovich plushie from there one time. Oh, great. shoot. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I Never that. thought I would see an Usovich plushie. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's it. I got to walk out of here with that thing. Um, so that was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that it's just it's great to see a place that's so like it feels like you and Mickey really own it. Like it's it is it is your taste. Um, and it's it's a lot of things that you wouldn't normally see in very like, you know, anime or Japan sort of centric stores. And, and I think it's great that it exposes people to those bits of like indie art culture. You know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's an eclectic mix, but for sure. Like we, you know, we try to curate it, um, carefully yeah. or whatever, thoughtfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, we're it trying to, through. Yeah, we're and um and so that that just means it kind of like has this organic mutating mm-hmm. aspect to it, which is cool, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um we uh, I want to get into Twitter questions. Um one last thing I wanted to ask you myself is um how do you deal with creative block when it hits you and how does it, what does it feel like for you? Oh my god. Everybody has it, right? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like, I I think the way that I deal with it is by not dealing with it. (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. It's a common, yeah, but it's a common thing that people say. Yeah. I mean, no, I think, I think, I think you have to like sort of, uh, I always get creative block. Honestly, creative block comes from not being inspired, right? Like, um, there's, there's just no inspiration. So whether you're like too tired or too burnt or or whatever it is whatever's causing that you know um you kind of need to like remove yourself from that for a little bit and like you know have some fun i think (laughs) really yeah Um, so i think i think the less fun things get the the more creative block you get um I certainly think so. Like when I'm working on jobs that I just do not want to do or like, you know, I'm just having a miserable time. 
Yeah. It's really hard to come up with great stuff, really. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I kind of, like, just, you know, it's good to, like, get a... I mean, if this is, like, a big creative block, like, like a, a big one, like, where it's, like, months or months, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. kind of a different thing. Um, but if it's just something that's, like, kind of, like, oh, shit, you know, I can't think of anything right now. What am I doing? Like, so then, then you can just, like, kind of get up and do some stuff, like go read some comics or do, you know, it's cool to look at stuff, obviously, that's going to help inspire you. Um, but it's also good to get out and do some stuff because sometimes, like, you just get inspired by, like, living your life. I yeah, absolutely. Like. Um, just being in a different space sometimes is enough for me. Like being in exactly. a different room even, <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, so it's good uh, to get just get out, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And then when you come back, you have this, like, kind of fresh perspective. I've, yeah. I mean, I've done that a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't. My drawings are crap. I can't think of anything. What's going on? Okay, I'm going to go out. Let's go do something. Mm-hmm. Like, or let's go hiking or let's go, you know, let, let's go do yeah. something. And then when you come back, you go, okay, whew, God, I feel better. Okay. Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, oh what was i doing oh i can see this now like okay get some blood this is actually so true and it's really really hard to apply in terms of like sometimes like for example on a day-to-day basis like i'm i have to do the scene and it's really really hard and i don't want to do it because of my brain it all becomes like hard and not fun and complicated and i'm like all right i'm just gonna make a lunch but a part of me feels like don't make lunch because if you make lunch, you're going to be wasting time and not working on this difficult scene. Uh, yeah. And then when I finally like, okay, when I'm finally like, no, I just, I'm going to make lunch. And then I'm like making lunch. I'm still thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, that's now that I'm not thinking about it, like with a hundred percent of my brain, now that I'm like, I don't know, cutting these mushrooms or whatever, uh, I can see it better. And then it's like, ah, I can go back to it now. And it's not going to take me a million years. Yeah you know yeah you really have to go remove yourself from it yeah the more the better i think like so you're saying like you know even halfway (laughs) you're not thinking about it is good yeah if you can like not think about it totally like if you could go to the movies or something and like Mm -hmm. get involved in a movie or do something like then then yeah even better because then you when you come back to it you really have like that fresh perspective on it you know you're kind of like reinvigorated i think um that always you know works for me for sure does the shop help you um like get away from some of those things no well no i mean recently like it's it it sort of can help but then it can also just add to the the sort of like when you get overwhelmed there's like yeah, too much work yeah. then it's also like shop stuff too because you're like yeah oh shit man i gotta finish this board and then i gotta do this thing and then i gotta go to the shop and then i gotta do this thing oh my god i gotta do that you know yeah, um, yeah yeah so then it can actually like compound it makes it like you know i have an extra job basically yeah yeah um so yeah, it's, it's difficult yeah um um but but uh yeah so i just 
you need, I think you need to do something fun to like get out of creative block because anything yeah. else that's gonna like add to your anxiety or your stress is gonna make you like basically close off even more because I feel like it's almost like a panic attack sometimes yeah. like mm-hmm. that can happen yeah. too like so when you're overwhelmed and you're panicking then you just can't come up with anything yeah um, um this uh Twitter question ties into that um, from at Jess Draws. Uh, what are the challenges of balancing a gallery on top of working in animation? Has it gotten easier over time or harder? Oh, well, I actually think it feels like it got harder, actually. <laughs> oh, really? <Yeah>. Interesting. <laughs> um, because I feel like when we open there was less expectation oh i see and as we yep yep yeah as we've progressed there's like a certain amount of stuff that we and we also expanded i mean to be totally honest the amount of product or the amount of everything is like maybe doubled since we opened at, at least you know like so uh i mean knock on wood i'm not complaining about that but it's just like it means that obviously there it's more work you know True. yeah um yeah so i think it's actually uh become kind of like more overwhelming in a way <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah but yeah it's fun it's still gonna you still have fun doing it right I do. I do. It's yeah. just the, yeah, I have to, ba- you know, and Mickey is there most of the time too, when I have, when I get really busy in animation. So it's not, it's not like she, yeah. she does help like buffer that, which is great. I don't have to get mm-hmm. too crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not on your own. So that's like a big plus. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, uh, we got cool. a question from at cached art. Uh, being in the industry for so long, what has it been like working on similar roles across multiple projects over the years? And also, have the advancements in tech over time made any impact on your experiences? Oh, yeah, that's a good. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, things have changed a lot with tech with technology. Um, I mean, when I first started, we were drawing on paper. I forgot to yeah. even say that, you know. We were drawing on animation discs when I was doing character layouts with, like, pegs and flipping um and and also when i started boarding we were doing boards on paper right um mm-hmm. and even like on the first cloudy you know we were, it was still paper back then but it was sort of like hybrid like we would draw on paper and then the the pas would scan all our panels and then we'd have them and and then we'd open them in photoshop sometimes to like change correct stuff or do stuff so it was like in between mm-hmm. <laughs> so i kind of have been around for the transition too um so it's it's really funny to watch that happen it's crazy um but yeah i mean there's so many differences i mean the stuff that you could do in like photoshop or or even storyboard pro like is it's just so different than what you 
would be doing on paper um that um yeah i just feel in the way that the just the way the pipeline and everything is like developed now and changed uh and the way we communicate now especially during the pandemic now like all these zoom meetings and stuff it's really like kind of it turned into like a sci-fi movie where we're all like on these video monitors and we're like (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so that's like totally different yeah um i don't know what what was so it's changed everything for sure yeah Yeah. no i think you answered it yeah yeah it's Um, uh it's helped but it's also hurt (laughs) yeah 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 there's definitely things that are negative too for sure yeah um so i don't know you know it's like too i don't i don't think what you can do in photoshop and anyway and storyboard pro is anything that you know makes any of the projects really better like you know you can watch pinocchio and it's like amazing and they drew on paper it's not like you know what you could do without the computer is worse than what you can do with it anyway yeah Yeah. i'm always telling the students that too like my students like like you know you should be able to do your lighting and everything without doing like your adjustment layer and your lighting layer on something like you should know how to paint it like you should know what your values and everything right like right like before you do any of that that stuff is just like the fancy icing on the cake but yeah it's Mm -hmm. that's not like what you should default to Um, yeah uh, this question ties into that a little bit uh, from at Tito W. James. What is your design philosophy? Oh, yeah. Um, for sure, it's less is more. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the biggest design, I think, principles that people have kind of like forgotten recently is less is more. Mm-hmm. Like what not to put in because I think it's natural. I mean, let's face it, it's kind of like the the basic art mentality or like high school art mentality is like the more detail or the more realistic it is or the more whatever that's like what the general public finds to be impressive right um but that's not actually really very sophisticated to be honest um so like when you start to like understand um like more concepts of like how art is made or or how design is happening this is specifically about design i guess really this question Mm -hmm. um then then you kind of like understand like uh like how there's there are different approaches i guess is what i should say um and I'm, i'm not really like invalidating the other approach either oh yeah but um just just talking about um like that's sort of kind of like the basic uh art idea like the sort of classicist art like i'm gonna like draw realistic like duplicate this thing in reality and like i'm gonna put a lot of detail and render it and then it's gonna be like this perfect i don't know uh coffee cup that looks like perfectly real and stuff cool <laughs> um but then there's like you know there's other concepts so like yeah just just uh that it doesn't have to be like that 
I guess. Um, so, um, I th- but I feel like generally my stuff is is pared down a lot. And I, I started out like actually like really detailed, you know, when I was young, I used to draw like hyper detailed stuff, but I kind of like learned uh, what to pair, to scale that down, like to just cut all that stuff away. Um, and that was just sort of like my approach or what I learned. Cause that's kind of like the influences that, that I think I, really loved um and and when you look at like really great design i think um Mm -hmm. it all it usually is that um, yeah like saul bass or peter saville or uh you know stefan sogmeister or like i'm i'm thinking about like designers in animation too really like a lot of animation designers are not necessarily hyper realistic but and that's basically because animation is so hard to do if you're doing like so much detail right (laughs) yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. like it would be really like a pain in the butt to do it um yeah yeah um but yeah i'm trying to think of like what else to add to that i mean obviously like we come from i can't i come from a movement that was like sort of these like what was unpopular in the day was kind of like this modern mid-century kind of modern cartooning look and Mm. that was like really not popular you know really interesting um yeah so when we kind of gravitated towards that there's like a small group of us um that was kind of like the that was kind of edgy you know, like, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, things started to shift back to that um, in various, I would say various degrees of success, (laughs) like in the 90s, where there was a lot of flat style stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But some of it was like, not that great. Some of it was good, you know. Um, But uh, it really wasn't still wasn't that popular you know and i think uh and then it just became unpopular again it's really not that popular Mm. now um yeah so it's always been kind of like a sort of fringe style but but i was gonna say earlier actually i never finished my thought but Mm. i see all of these theories and drawing theories that we actually came up with a lot of this stuff in i'm not saying we like created flat style or anything but there was a lot of like theories and ideas that we came up with on some of the stuff that i've worked on over the over the years like like dexter and powerpuff and Mm -hmm. and and samurai jack and stuff and i see all these people like using these like kind of design tropes that we actually came up with um, on some of those cartoons, but they don't know where they're from or they don't even know who I am, which is like pretty funny to me. Like, mm-hmm. what's, um, what's one of those design tropes? Like you have an, from the top of your head? Uh, there's just like certain like hand designs or like hand, you know, how to, uh, 
like certain like definitely like you know those like blocky samurai jack fingers yeah Uh, right Mm -hmm. you know that's that's one of them let's say you know there's like certain design ideas that we came up with actually this those just didn't exist actually before to be totally honest it's not like we created flat designy stuff (laughs) but sure sure Mm -hmm. yeah but but some specific ideas um i mean another idea i don't really see this imitated but but would be like the way mccracken did the arm folds on uh powerpuff girls like as a figure eight shape oh yeah 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 yeah, super clever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was awesome um you know those kind of things because we were always i mean i think it really started with ren and stimpy like where our group was really into like coming up with cool like theories ideas like Mm. like curious and i would like constantly be uh we shared an office together and we would always be like oh shit that's like an amazing hand or something or that's like cool and Mm -hmm. we you know we just kind of like we're really like experimenting and trying like different things with like expressions mouth shapes um etc etc and like i said like um you know coming off of the 80s where everything was like kind of like care bears and like right uh you know gi joe and stuff um we there really wasn't anything that looked like that until you know ren and stimpy and then like powerpuff and dexter's well dexter's and then powerpuff you know came along basically mm-hmm. and then it was sort of like oh crap and then of course all these other studios started like try to hop on that bandwagon of like oh let's make something that looks like that you know <laughs> it is <laughs> to be it's honest, funny but... how it's funny how much like the the design language that you and your friends at the time were coming up with was so uh ingrained in me just because through osmosis you know it's like like watching those cartoons it, it, it i didn't understand the reasoning behind it but i was just like that's how you do that got it and so like <laughs> there's a lot of things that I, i'll go back to I, I was re-watching some old dexter's labs recently and i'm like man there's a lot of just in the way they're boarded even i'm like this is yeah. how i board things and i like didn't realize it until i went back to it and i was like oh and i didn't question it i just was like that's this is how you board and yeah. so it's funny how trying to solve a problem on the production ends up just being a a style that the next generation kind of absorbs. I mean, that's a good, actually, that's something I didn't really think about, but it actually did, I think, like, Ren and Stimpy, and then, you know, moving on to, like, Dexter and stuff. I mean, it really changed the way that boarding for TV was also. Yes. Yeah. yeah and um, and I, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah. Um, also the way I was going to say another trope is like kind of like the way that hands and fingers are like grouped together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, this idea is actually an old idea, but the way it was done because like stuff started to become so flat, that stuff definitely came from like John and Lynn and probably, you know, I was going to say Tim Bruce Mm-hmm. um so like i mean bruce tim what am i talking about tim bruce bruce tim see <laughs> see that's why i was like totally like blanking out um like bruce tim for sure because like uh even when they were doing like you know batman 
it kind of followed like similar theories mm-hmm. um and they all knew each other you know they were all friends like bruce tim and john and lynn and whoever else you know like they came out um but i i feel like you know before that it would have been really common for them for people to just draw like fingers haphazardly or like kind of organically lumped um but oh yeah yeah but our our theory was you know going back to kind of like kirby and stuff like how there's like you know finger arcs but just also like if you're not you don't want to have all these fingers all over the place so you would just like group them all together so it became mm-hmm. like a big yeah. mitten almost and that right. those kind of ideas you know like for sure came from like from if not i mean i'm not saying it came from me but like just yeah. you know from those shows that i worked on for sure yeah. um yeah but it's crazy uh, yeah that we got one final question that i <laughs> okay. think is a good one to end on mm-hmm. uh from at carts qt what's your favorite part of your job and you can include both both uh doing animation and Q-pop. oh okay well my favorite part of my job is being able to be a total lunatic and get paid for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I <No>. mean, <laughs> no, um, no. I mean, I guess. I mean, God, what? Like, it's great to be able to draw cool stuff for and get paid for it. I think really. I mean, my favorite thing, but also like, I, I feel like the people that I meet, um, my, the little families that you meet on each production yeah. is, is really like one of the best parts. I, I honestly, so those two things, it would have to be two things. It'd have to be the fact that you could just draw and make a living doing it, which is great. But then the fact that you also meet all these wonderful people that you know that i basically like kind of see for my entire career (laughs) yeah they keep coming back yeah 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 um i just really yeah and I, i nowadays too you know my big advice to everybody is that just never accept any job just for money because that's like the worst and that always like bites me on the ass like like it always is the worst decision i always pick now jobs that the crew is like people that i want to work with and that um and the project yeah. looks good yeah. because because it's not really worth it i've, I've found over the years yeah. the other way mm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. no that that comes with wisdom i think it, it, it comes with time and when you when it, all it takes is one production that you thought was going to be great because of the name and then it's not worth it and you're really stressed out and burnt out and you don't know anybody and you don't gel and it's like, oh, this isn't worth it. <laughs> like I, I had, I've definitely had that moment. Yeah. And you, you want, you know, you want like it, if it's a difficult project, at least you want to be there with like a bunch of people that you like. Yeah. So that yeah, you can totally. like all you know weather it together, like get through that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because otherwise, um, it's torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can be. It can be. It's, it can be brutal. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's true. Um, what are uh, what are your goals for the future, as far as career or the shop or anything? Wow. Well, it's interesting because I'm actually kind of at a weird point, I think, in my career where I'm like the old person now. <laughs> and you guys, like, it, it's it's kind of crazy because, like, I mean, I remember when I was, like, the kid, right, on everything. And now I'm, like, oh, yeah. the old guy on everything. So, and it and it's, like, it seems like it happens, like, really fast you know yeah it's the switch gets flipped yeah yeah um so you know so now for me you know i it's gotta be like i mean i'm starting to teach which is which is great you know i love uh like helping out young people and Mm -hmm. i you know i feel like also if i'm not teaching then you know I'm like best in a capacity where I'm like supervising or like doing something also to help people because I know so much about like production and I've done everything. Um, Yeah, I didn't even say like we didn't talk about like when I I lived in Korea for a year. Holy moly. Oh my God. Like supervising. Um, And so in the actual animation studio too, like because at the time, you know, they didn't really, really like, or they still don't like, they don't like the supervisors to be at the actual studio. Um, mm-hmm. But we kind of forced them to, for me to have an animation desk, like with the animators there. Yeah. Um, and it was cool. It was like eye opening, really like everybody who is like a production person or like somebody who's instrumental and like organizing a production should go over there and see how it's done like so they know what they need first of all it's more about like making sure you like send the right tools for success basically like you you set your partner studio up to like succeed you want to so you need to know like the kind of things that they need I, I feel like over here people don't even know really um but uh but anyway you know i was supervising over there i've been supervising for a while but i just feel like um you know it's good to i'm like really good at that to to be honest like helping yeah helping productions run smooth helping stuff and helping stuff come out looking like great for low you, budget, you know. Would you um? Would you kind of like uh want to be like interested in like like a like a um, co EP kind of role where you kind of like like look at these kind of things and uh or like consulting like that? Yeah, that would be great. I mean, I was up for supervising director, um, but it's kind of more like head of story, you know, like at, at, right. at Netflix. Mm. And that's like fine too, I think. But I actually think I'd be better at like helping out. I mean, that's cool too. I I love that, um, and I love cinema. Like I'm a crazy like cinephile, so like I have like like mm. so many like Blu-rays and 4K UHDs and stuff. Like <laughs> kind of nuts. Um, mm. 
and so I'm, to, I'm all about like filmmaking for sure. But, um, um, but yeah, I, I constantly work on productions though, where I'm just like, God, do these people even know how to organize a show or what are they doing? Like, so, right. yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so honestly, that's really been like the, the impetus for like what I'm saying right now is because, because I just feel like people, they don't really understand like how to organize their pipeline or do things no. like, um, and it's kind of amazing to me. So I'm just like, I'm working on some stuff right now too, where I could tell you, like, I'm like, what? This is so unorganized, like this production. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's really amazing that it's actually a professional functioning production. Honestly, yeah. it's something that I, I will say is the, like, when you work on a show that is well organized, oh my God, it just yeah. feels so nice it's like yeah. it and it's funny to to see how it's kind of like few and far between um mm -hmm. uh, but when you when you are on one of those shows where the pas are doing a great job and everybody knows what they're supposed to do oh my god it's the best it feels so good <laughs> just like clear deadlines and things yeah like it's it's not yeah. common it's bizarre yeah <laughs> no and it's funny because the studios for some reason even if they do have a production that went like super smoothly they don't learn from that. They just reinvent yeah. the wheel. No, for the yeah, next for some reason. Production. Yeah. They love reinventing the process for every production for some reason. It's so weird. That's, <laughs> that's something I learned when I first got in. And my first job was The Loud House, which is a very smoothly run ship, as V can attest to. And, like, mm -hmm. uh, I got spoiled. And it was, like, yeah. and I and then when I was, the more I learned, the more I was, like, oh, well, when you get a show, there's, like, probably not literal book but there's like a, a guide you know like they have a template for how to set up a show nope like it's like a hard figure it out for yourself kind of thing and it's it's yeah. i think that was really weird for me because coming from france a lot of the shows are were ran very similarly to loud house so for me loud house i understood it perfectly because that's how we we do shows in france and right. when i went on my first like what i considered to be like like quote unquote my first american production is like craig of the creek and it was just like oh no no what i learned up until now applies <laughs> it's <not laughs> like all right let's do this um but yeah, yeah it's really it's really interesting it's very very interesting to realize that to be like okay everybody wants to do everyone's going to want to do their own little thing uh create their own little um i don't know recipe and you're gonna have to learn that yeah. <laughs> as someone who comes on the show oh my yeah. god you guys worked on loud house i forgot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's where that's we, we met, met. Oh that's god. our origin story <laughs> uh is there anything you want to plug while you're on the show yeah um Got the Nicolas Cage uh, <laughs> art gallery. No, I don't want to plug anything. Was there anything that you wanted to ask me that you like missed? Like, um, no, he covered like everything. Any, like any projects or any? Was I super boring? I... Do you want me to be more like? No, no. you were awesome. Okay. I wish we could like keep rolling forever because <laughs> yeah. you have so many cool, so much cool stuff to say. It's just such a bummer that you know. Uh, having an interview run over like an hour, an hour and a half is like kind of hard. I mean, I have so many like stories. I don't think I told yeah. any like actual like funny stories because that's like I think I what's funny. Like you know what? We'll like. just we'll, we'll just bring have you, to have back. you back. Okay, yeah, we'll okay. Have to bring you back. <laughs> Part two. 
because, uh, yeah, because I could just tell you so many stories just from each production. Like, what I know yeah. that's why I was so excited to I have mean, you all. I just watched that the Ren and Stimpy documentary that they made, and I it was such a I, no, I just thought like it's it's cool. I mean, people should watch it if they're interested at all, like in the, in those old days. Um, I, I think it's like on available online whatever I, I just bought it on itunes it was like five dollars or something or six bucks but um because i wanted to see it because chris ricardi's in it and lynn's in it oh, i just yeah. wanted to see sure um but I, I thought it was not really that good <laughs> well that's the end of this creative block chris thanks for being our guest and sharing your story thank you for having me yeah and thanks to your listeners <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drunk prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clements for editing the podcast. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was B. Keeping creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.